Father, we thank you, Jesus. We belong to you. We belong to you. And your goodness, it overwhelms us, Lord. We ask God that your Holy Spirit would fill us as we worship you with joy in our hearts because of who you are, God. Oh God. 
His holy name, dear Lord, it's always, always, always good to be in your house of worship. This is a time when we can put aside all of our cares, all the busyness of this world in our lives, and spend it entirely with you. We don't need to worry about anything because we know that You have everything under your command and your control. Father, we ask that you would bless the sick with your divine healing in the name of Jesus. Bring your loving presence to those who need to know that you have not left them and will be with them 24-7. Lord, for anyone that is filled with great heartache and huge disappointment, comfort them, Lord, with your Holy Spirit and give them hope in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Healer, our Redeemer, the Alpha, the Omega. As we listen to your word delivered by your servant, David Sanchez, 
We pray this sermon will change our lives forever. God, challenge us to discover and carry out your divine calling and purpose in our lives. Thank you for this day and the days ahead filled with your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy, with opportunities to glorify your name and win others for your kingdom. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray and say amen. God bless you. God bless you. So glad you're here. Please be seated. We welcome you. I am not Pastor Richard. I'm not Pastor Mike. I'm not (laughs) dot, dot, dot. (laughs) But my name is Pastor Cindy, and I am Pastor Richard's wifey. (laughs) And it just gives me great pleasure to be able to stand at his pulpit with Javier Gonzalez, our drummer. Good morning, good morning. How are you all doing today? And a lover of God. (laughs) (laughs) Second... Uh, second best drummer standing here right now. Oh, thank you. I don't you. know if you guys know, but Pastor Cindy is a phenomenal <laughs> drummer. She was the one before me, and I try everything I can to do the best I can. Every once in a while, I'll mess up, and I'll look at her, and I'm like, oh, did she hear that? Oh, she didn't. Okay, great. I'm so. pretending I did. No, not really. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Though I'm kidding. I remember this kid coming up the aisle at Southside with his cowboy boots and, and, and <laughs> cowboy hats. So cute. But years go by, many things the Lord has done through all of us, and we are grateful. Yes, it's such an encouragement to see you guys here today, church, just seeing the impact and and the growth that you have experienced in this church with us, and it's just been phenomenal. A few announcements today, guys. Uh, Our first one is our young adults group. That's going to be from our ages to 18 to 25 college-age kids. They're going to be meeting next Thursday, June 29th at 7 p.m. Uh, you do not need to register. Uh, just come on in. We'd love to have you. Uh, child care is provided for all of our young parents out there. So you don't have to worry about a thing. Bring the family. The kids will be taken care of and come experience uh, the word uh, for Amen, and I understand that Pastor Anthony, or AJ as we know him, (laughs) is going to start a brand new series, so you'll be coming at a really good time, 18 to 25-year-olds, thank you so much. After uh, the second service, we're having baptismal service, and we're excited about that for all the candidates that have decided to make a public announcement that they believe in Jesus Christ, and they are dying to themselves and rising with him. So it's important uh, that we, if you can, stay after second service. If not, we understand, but we want to cheer them on and congratulate them. Absolutely. And uh, we also want to celebrate with our sisters on Saturday, July 1st, 10 a.m. to 11.30. We're going to have a uh, potluck, so a potluck brunch, so uh, whatever you want to bring. Excited about that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Sisterhood, that means any sister that you know, invite them to this. It's so much fun. Sylvia Sanchez is going to be our speaker. We enjoy our time together. It's only an hour and a half. It won't take up all your day, but you will enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We also offer child care for that as well. Phenomenal. And and men, don't worry. We haven't forgotten about you. We have the men's (laughs) breakfast Saturday, July 8th. Doors open at 7.45 a.m. 
It's the one time where we'll actually see us get out of bed early and motivated. <laughs> so I know it's an early morning, but it's some amazing food, guys. Yeah, I, I don't so. think I've seen that much bacon go that lots fast Lots and before. lots of bacon. And so we really put it down. I encourage you to bring a friend uh, and just come enjoy the fellowship with our fellow men. All right? Amen. Our children's ministry, Envy Kids, under the direction of Jessica Ramirez, will be hosting a pool party. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be on July the 8th, and registration is required for that, so we need you to register for that. And um, also, we want to, uh, all these announcements, you don't have to be taking notes like crazy, you know what I mean? So it's all on the website, nbcabq.com or the church app. So please, please, please don't forget to go to that. And there's an information table out there, communications table that Tressa uh, directs. And so she'll be able to give you all of this information. But we have an exciting time coming up. Yes, we do. It's, it's a fun-packed month. We're in the middle of summer, guys. Friday, July 28th, we're having a family fun day at Cliffs Amusement Park. You can purchase your tickets online and then pick them up the morning of on July 28th. You'll also get all the info, as uh, Pastor Cindy said, uh, once you register and pay for the tickets on the website events. Now, this is the best part. It's an all-day pass for your entire family for only $5. Is that not awesome? <laughs> I can't wait to see Pastor on that roller coaster. <laughs> It'd be worth the $5 just to see that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you're watching. <laughs> So, uh, also, the youth will be remaining in service today. Thank yes. you, Javier, for uh, helping me out with the announcements. And that is because we have uh, Pastor, uh, well, Pastor, soon to be Pastor, I'm sure he's studying at Mid America Christian University. He was our youth pastor here for uh, many, many days and hours of pouring into our children. Now, David. Uh, I'm excited that God has given me the opportunity to introduce him uh, once again to you. It's always a privilege to have this, this time to be able to introduce these wonderful men and women that have preached behind my husband's pulpit. He trusts anyone that he asks to deliver the word in its truth. And David is a student of the word, and he has always studied and shown himself approved of God. So would you please help me welcome David Sanchez to the pulpit this morning. Hello. I was looking for you. I couldn't find you. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, my family. Man, I am so excited to be back here. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, didn't we just say goodbye to this guy? How many more times are we going to keep seeing this guy? Um, so, while I'm up here, I want to give you guys a little bit of a life update, tell you kind of what's happening in, in David's world and the things that God's doing. Um, yes, I'm still here. I'm still in Albuquerque. Classes don't start until August, right? So I'm taking some time just to focus on my relationship with God. I feel like he wants to take me even deeper than I was before, and I'm, I'm like a little nervous, you know, like, oh, what's he going to ask me to do? What am I going to give up? What, you know, I don't know where I'm at. But I'm trusting the Lord with my life these next couple of weeks, and man, he's been good. I, uh, I, I don't work here at New Beginnings Church anymore, but he has supplied every one of my needs. Um, uh, 
above and beyond. God has been so good. And, you know, family, the last couple of weeks, I've been up in the mountains in Santa Fe helping out with a youth camp from a different kind of church, of a, from a different denomination, of a different tradition. And uh, it, it's the Episcopal Church, and it's a very, very different d- tradition than what we have. And as much as I love the Book of Common Prayer and the Nicene Creed, I'll be honest, I miss my family. And I am so excited to be home with you this morning. I'm already emotional over the worship, over just how the Spirit of God moves in this place. So family, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. And Pastor Richard, thank you so much for once again entrusting me with the pulpit here at New Beginnings Church. Um, And we have been in this series called Building a Family with Purpose, right? And uh, the title of today's sermon is Just be love. Just be love. And I want to focus on that specifically, and here's why. I know many of you guys know me. Many of you know my story. I am 22 years old, unmarried, no kids, not even a goldfish, you know? And so I often think to myself, when Pastor Richard gave me the task to preach within this series, I'm like, well, what do I know about building a family, you know? I'm young, I'm unmarried, I don't have kids, uh, and so what, do, what does David know about building a family? Not much, but I'll tell you what, I was there, or I, I do have a family, I have my mom, I have three siblings, I have a stepdad, I, I know what it's like to have a family more than anything, I know what it's like to have the devil try to destroy a family, and I was there to watch God rebuild my family, and so what I want to do today, church is I want to just humbly, as, as a young college kid, tell you some of the treasures that I've learned over the, the years and observing how God has worked through my family. And I want to point to you kind of my, my philosophy, my dream, if you would, because I understand that many of us are on a similar journey. You see, I didn't have a great father figure growing up. There wasn't a father figure there. And so to this day, part of the reason that I took this break with this time this summer is because I want God to heal this father wound that I have. Because I understand that one day I will be a father. And statistically speaking, men who did not have that good father figure oftentimes don't develop themselves to be a good father figure. And I want to break that generational curse in Jesus' name. And I know there are many men and women in here that are on that same journey, and, we're, and you're doing amazing. I've been here to hear the stories, to hear the testimonies of how God has breaking, broken the cycles of addiction, cycles of poverty, and so much more. And so since we as brothers and sisters are on this journey, I'm just going to share some thoughts that I've learned over the years, and then my general philosophy, and then I want to pray with you guys real quick. Sound good? All right, so let's just start with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, I am I'm home. I'm here with my family, with your family, and I'm so excited to be here discussing family. So be with me, Lord. Be with us as we dive into scripture, as we look at the different ways families have gone awry, Lord, and I pray that you allow us to learn how to continue to build a family with purpose. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to just start off by sharing a few reasons that I've observed and that I've experienced uh, of why families tend to struggle. Reasons that families, you know, experience stumbling blocks. Reason number one, and this is a big one, differences in beliefs 
or values. Differences in beliefs or values. See, a family, whether it's just the siblings or the siblings and the cousins and the weird uncle and the aunt that gossips a lot and the tia and the abuela, and whether it's you know, just a little clan or the big group, the, a family is a social group. It's a network of individuals with distinct thoughts and beliefs. And differences can arise. We all have that one black sheep of the family that's like, how did you come to this conclusion about politics? You know? Or many of us, uh, we might be the lone Christian in a family full of atheists. Or the only, you know, Bible-believing, born-again Christian in a family of Catholics. How do we deal with these things? I want to point us to some wisdom from, from Paul in Romans chapter 14, verse 1. He says, accept other believers who are weak in faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Now, family, this doesn't apply for every single situation. Remember, this is just for believers who are weak in faith. So I'm thinking specifically, mothers, when you're looking at your children, and you see that they they got the bug, they went to summer youth camp, and Pastor AJ's doing a great job at continuing to teach them, and they're just on fire for Jesus, but then you just hear something that, I don't like that. That doesn't sound very much like Jesus. We have to remember that the point of us confronting our children with that is going to be to continue to spur them to Jesus. We have to be able to do that without breaking their spirit. Are you with me? Or I think about sometimes if it's even a bigger issue that we deal with in the family. Proverbs chapter 17, 28 Even fools are thought wise when kept silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Y'all ever have that one family member that it feels like he just wants to pick a fight even though he's not ready for it? That was me growing up. I'd be having a full-on panic attack trying to talk to people about, I think you're dealing with this. I can't even breathe, you know, just in tears. Like, that was me as a kid. And I remember uh, one time I had one of those episodes, and my mom pulled me aside, and she showed me this verse. She goes, David, you were right about what you're feeling. You're right to be angry. But the way that you approach that, remember, even fools are thought wise when kept silent. Or I think about the quote by St. Francis of Assisi, especially if you are the lone Christian in your family, consider this. Preach the gospel at all times, but if necessary, use words. You see, we need to model Christ's love with the way that we live, and our life itself will speak as a testimony. And that goes even big, that is even bigger than just a difference in beliefs because God's love trumps all of that. Number two is lack of communication. How many of us have those family members that are just terrible at communicating, especially around like Thanksgiving and it's like, okay, who's bringing what and who's got the turkey and green beans over here and who's hosting again and communication is part of the reason that families struggle sometimes. You know, the Bible, Jesus tells us how to communicate. Well, look at Matthew chapter 18. Verse 15 says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. You see, God is calling us to confront people, to confront one another whenever offense is taking place. If we don't confront people and we bottle it up, it'll end up leaking out in a time that it just should not leak out. Like I said, I used to be that kid that would bottle it up and it would all come out eventually in the middle of a panic attack and no one could even tell what I'm saying and it doesn't make the situation better. Let's go and let's, let's confront people. Let's say hey, gently, hey man, you said this, I felt that. How can we make this right? 
The way that we communicate is huge, especially for our young ones, family. I've talked to so many youth right there in that other room, and they tell me that, oh, it's just sometimes I feel like my parents talk down on me. Be mindful of the tone in which that we talk to one another so that way communication can take its place. Number three, stress. Stress, especially if you come from a Hispanic family like me, you know there's dog. Ain't nobody works harder than us Hispanics. My mom would be on the computer working late through, through the night, and it's like, hey, are you hungry? Yes. Do you want food? No, I'm working. And she just dialed in like that. And it's great to work hard, but we need to remember that God created rest for a reason. God wants us to take rest consistently. Or I think about Matthew 22, 39, where Jesus is talking about the greatest commandments. He says the second and most and equally important is love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, he says to love your neighbor as yourself, not instead of yourself. Parents, I understand that you sacrifice a lot for your children. I understand that many of you work so unfathomably hard, but you need to be able to make part of your work rest. You know, they say for, for children, the word love is spelled T-I-M-E. And it's hard to be present to our need for rest in order for our family to thrive. Number four is boundary violations. How many of us have that one tia that just, man, can't keep your mouth shut, asking the question that's like, why are you asking me this right now? We're in the middle of Christmas dinner, and we got to learn to keep our good boundaries. And here's why, family, let me tell you something. God has very healthy boundaries. And I know what you're thinking, like, whoa, whoa, doesn't he already see everything? Doesn't he hear, doesn't he hear everything and see everything? That, that sounds kind of nosy. Yes, but you got to remember who our God is. He is the almighty creator of the universe. He, cre he creates and sustains everything from the micro form down to the atoms, to the cells in our body, all the way to the stars and the galaxies and the universe itself. Our God created that and he sustained that. He is all powerful. And I think about this verse in, uh, if, I think it's in Ephesians where Paul says that God wants every man to be saved. But the question is, does God always get what he wants? You see, God loves us so much that he's honored our free will. And he's allowed us to, to make mistakes and to mess up. That's called boundaries right there. And we got to remember that the Christian life, I'll probably say this a couple times during the sermon, the Christian life is not just a get out of hell free card. It's an invitation to take on the character of God the Father as revealed in Jesus Christ the Son. Therefore, when we see God having these boundaries and letting the sinners do as sinners do, we have to follow suit. That we, we just read a verse earlier in Matthew 18 where he's talking about how to, how to deal with people that offend you, how to deal with brothers that sinned against you. At the very end of that passage, he talks about how if they just won't come around, if they just won't listen, deal with them as you would deal with a tax collector or with a pagan. Now we gotta remember, how, how did Jesus deal with tax collectors? How did Jesus deal with pagans? Oh, he loved the heck out of them. He loved them so hard that they didn't stay tax collectors and they didn't stay pagans. And we ought to do the same with our families. Number five is unresolved past issues. And trust me, I know all about this one. 
like I said, I don't know if it's just me and my family or my entire family. I think it might be all of us in different ways that we bottle things up and we, we don't talk about things sometimes. But then they'll pop up in the worst possible moments. Like how many of us, we have that one cousin who suddenly he's at eye level with you and he speaks in full sentences. Who taught him how to do that? Last time I saw you, you were this big. We all have that one family member. We can't stop seeing them as a little kid, but at the same time, there's plenty of family members that never stop seeing us as that little kid or as that kid that went through that really awkward phase in high school, hung out with that really weird crowd, or the person that got hooked on this substance when he was young, or the person who messed up here and went to jail at this age, and it comes up at the worst moments, and oftentimes it's our family that reminds us of that shame. But this is where we need to remember, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Everyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And we forget about that when we're, when we're with our family sometimes, right? Y'all ever notice that sometimes it's, it feels kind of weird to talk about Jesus with your family? I noticed with my siblings, like, we, we're all there for the Bible studies, like, because we pray together every Sunday, we, we'll read in the Bible, and my mom will lead a prayer and stuff like that, that that's, that's how my family works, and we're all there for it, but it feels really awkward to this day to go up to my brother and say, hey, man, what's God been teaching you in the Word? You see, the enemy is actively trying to make it hard, because can you imagine what your life would look like if everybody in your family were just always buzzing around talking about Jesus, the kind of things you would deal with from your past, the kind of healing that would take place, the way your family would transform. We need to break that cycle in Jesus' name. Number six, comparisons and competition, especially if you have siblings, especially if you grew up with a lot of siblings, which if you're Hispanic, you probably did. Uh, you know what it's like to have the, the good-looking older sibling that they always get everything they want or the, you know, the spoiled little sibling that, why, why, why do they get everything they want, man? Uh, I remember the biggest argument I had growing up with my siblings was just the way we sat in the van, in the minivan. Like, just stupid stuff like that. It's because I wanted to sit in the middle rows, but my mom was like, no, you have to sit in the back because the girls are younger and they have to sit in the car seats. And I'm like, that's dumb. I don't care about safety. Just move them to the back, you know? And it literally became a thing of resentment up until I was like 14, 15. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm about to start driving myself. I think we can let go of this. We need to start, we need to stop comparing ourselves to our family, to our siblings, to our cousins, to our brothers, to our sisters. Remember what David says about himself in Psalm 139.14, he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You see, family, God has made you fearfully and wonderfully. And we are to be people after God's own heart, just how David was here. And so in order to do that, we have to understand the beauty in which God has crafted our lives. Each and every one of us has different gifts. Each and every one of us has a different purpose, and we need to remember that, especially within our family groups. Number seven, changes in family dynamics. This one especially I know is very difficult for, uh, for our youth, for our young people, the, the things that divorce can do, family. Very, very difficult. And most of our teenagers, especially here at this church, I know for a fact, they, we try to laugh it off. We're like, oh, yeah, my parents are, are getting divorced, but it's all good. Two Christmases, man. Let's go, you know? We try to laugh it off. 
but the truth is there is deep pain that comes with that. And I know all about that. My mom was divorced once, and, you know, it, it was a difficult situation because um, the man that she divorced definitely was not a good husband and was not the greatest father. As a matter of fact, he, he was rather abusive in some ways. But at the same time, he was the only person I ever called dad. And so that put me in a really weird position when they got divorced. And it's like, am I supposed to keep hanging out with this guy or not? And then does my mom like it when I hang out with this guy or does she not? And there's just so much confusion that happens in these things. But praise the Lord, I came out of that on the other side with healing and reconciliation. And it was one of the hardest things for me, family. But praise the Lord, he heals even the deepest wounds. And he reminded me of this verse that I want to share with you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever, family. That's a promise. Family dynamics may change. Marriages end. Death happens. Divorce happens. But our good God stays the same forever, family. And those are just some of the things that lead to issues within family. And, I, and we could go on here uh, naming just thing after thing or probably just person after person that ruins families, you know? We could go on all day. But let me tell you something, family. At the root of all of this is just one thing. It's sin. Sin is at the root of family dysfunction. And we can see that all the way through the line of Scripture. You know, the Old Testament one way to look at it is a story of God working to repair families. Like, check this out. We remember Adam and Eve, right? They were a family, just husband and wife, right? And God placed them in the Garden of Eden, which, by the way, which was like this all-inclusive resort with, like, less margaritas, more nudity, you know what I mean? Garden of Eden was this paradise where they had everything that they needed, and sin entered the world. We all know the serpent comes up, goes, hey, sister, you want some forbidden fruit? She goes, I thought we weren't allowed to have it. He goes, nonsense. Eat some of it. And she gives some to Adam. And then they sin. And some of the consequences of that sin, if you read carefully in Genesis chapter 3, it says that the woman's desire will be to control her husband. However, her husband will rule over him, over her. That's tension. That's problematic right there as a result of sin. And we see this family dysfunction carried over to the next generation with the story of Cain and Abel, which we all know so well. Two siblings are trying to serve the Lord. One gets jealous and murders the other. And we even see the same with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, you guys remember what happens right after Jake, uh, God calls Abraham in Genesis 12? He's a stranger in the land of Egypt. And he's, and he's scared, he's afraid. And so what does he do? He lies to the Pharaoh. That's a sin. Why did he lie? Because he was afraid that they'd kill him because his wife was so beautiful. Not only does he do that once, he does that twice. And if you read right after that, Isaac, you know what he does? He does the exact same thing to the exact same king. Like, didn't your dad just do this a few years ago? Isaac lies about Rebecca being his wife. He's like, hey, this is my sister, actually, because he was scared they'd kill him. And then we see Isaac's son, Jacob, and Esau have problems. Jacob steals Esau's birthright. 
And we see this function continue on when Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. It's sin after sin after sin within family after family. But here's the thing, family. God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't give up on us. And the story of Joseph is just a testimony of that. God was with Joseph when he got sold into slavery, when he got put in prison, and when he was eventually elevated to the position second to Pharaoh over all of Egypt. God was with him, and he redeemed that family's story. And what I want to tell you this morning, family, no matter what your family's dealing with, whether it's comparisons, changes in family dynamics, whether it's just differences in beliefs, lack of boundaries, or maybe too many boundaries, people are covering up too much, whatever it is your family is dealing with, God wants to redeem your family story too. God wants to redeem your family's story too. And I said earlier, the Christian life is not just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's an invitation to take on the character of God the Father as revealed in Christ the Son. And so that leaves us with one responsibility, family, in all things. Aim to just become love itself. Aim to just be love. And what I want to do is I want to go a little deeper. Let's look at the biblical definition of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices wherever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always joyful, and endures through every circumstance. Aim to be that, to embody that family. And there's two spheres in which we need to embody this. Number one, when we're with others. Remember Jesus' two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. When you're with others, aim to just be love unto them. Whether it's an interaction with a cashier at Starbucks or the noisy person on their phone in the line behind you at Albertsons or the driver that just cuts you off. Aim to just be love, whether it's that one cousin that just won't stop talking or that one aunt that just, you know, is trying to get up in your business or that one sibling that has gone down the wrong path. Aim to just be love and watch how the love of God can transform even the ugliest situations. You know, the amazing thing about love is that, you know, in the Bible, there's only two sentences, two verses that describe God with only one word, and one of them is found in 1 John 4, 8. says, God is love. Anyone who does not love God doesn't know God. God is love. And so, family, I want to remind us of the fact that God is all these things we just read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Like, watch, I'm going to go back to this, and I'm going to replace that word love with God. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand God's own way. 
God is not irritable. God keeps no record of being wrong. Do you know when, you, when you're forgiven by God, he completely forgives your sins? He forgets them to that point. God keeps no record. God does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up. He never gave up on me. He's not giving up on you. So don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your family. God never loses faith. God is always hopeful. God endures through every single circumstance. Isn't that beautiful, family? And so, how does this tie into our journeys to become that father that we should have seen when we were growing up? How does this tie into our journey of breaking these generational curses. I said it before, I'll say it again, family. The Christian life is not just a get out of hell free card. It's an invitation to take on the character of God the Father as revealed in Christ the Son. And so I understand now that I'm 22 years old and unmarried, I have a lot of free time on my hands. And that means this is the time where the general themes of my family are being formed through me. The way that I take care of my body right now, am I eating right, am I going to the gym, am I exercising, that's gonna dictate probably my energy levels when I'm 30, 40 years old and have children. If I take care of myself now, I'll be able to keep up with them later on. If I go to therapy, take care of my mental health, let's deal with this depression thing, let's give it to God and allow him to transform that then when winter comes and there's a lot less sunlight and I get really sad, which happens like every year, by the way, if you're depressed, usually that's how it goes. <laughs> then when that happens, when I have kids, it won't drag me down as deep and I'll be able to love them better through it. You see, family, human beings, we're not, we don't just arrive one day as the people that we are. We are formed by our decisions, by our habits, by the things that we consume, by the things that we watch. And so I'm being careful right now as a young, unmarried 22-year-old to try to be conformed to the image of Christ the Son. And here's how I do it. Here's what I do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something with this same Bible verse and it's gonna feel really weird to read out loud. But, but just roll with me. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is how I look at it. David is patient and kind. David is not jealous or boastful or rude. David does not demand his own way. Ooh, I don't know about that one. Got a lot of work to do. <laughs> David is not irritable. You haven't seen me at camp. I can be sometimes. <laughs> David keeps no record of being wronged. I don't know about that one. That one's tough too. David does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices wherever truth wins out. I think I'm doing okay there. David doesn't give up. Depends on the thing. I still can't bench press 225 pounds, and I'm getting pretty sad about that one. I'll be honest. <laughs> David never loses faith. David is always hopeful. David endures through every circumstance. Now, I read that with my name in there, and I'm trying to see, hey, is this true about me? Is this true about me? And what, I'm, what I realize when I read that is, no, not, not all of that's true about me. I have a lot of work to do, family. I figure by the time I'm 24, 25, I'll probably be perfect, right? Because that's how it works, right? No, I'm just joking. 
I know that it's, it's a journey. And sometimes we take two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes we take nine steps forward, but 12 steps back. You know how it is. And so, family, I want to, as we invite the worship team back up, I want to invite you to examine this passage again. And I want you to ask, hey, what here needs to change in my heart? What do I need to lose? What part of me needs to die in order for me to just be loved? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I jealous or boastful or proud or rude? And don't just think about, you know, how you felt this last couple of days. Think about how, how you get around Thanksgiving time with your family. Think about how you're going to feel after lunch today when everybody's completely stuffed and now everyone's exhausted and it's like, I want to go take my nap, but I told you to take Montaño, not Paseo, now we're stuck in traffic and you know what I mean? <laughs> think about this at night when you're alone with your spouse and just what's the energy there? Is there some awkwardness? Is there some stress that you don't want there? How can you in that space also be patient, be kind, be je- or don't be jealous rather. <laughs> don't be boastful, don't be proud, don't be rude. Don't demand your own way, family. Don't be irritable. Don't keep record of being wronged. Don't rejoice when your kids do bad things, man. Some of us, I know, I especially see this with fathers sometimes. We have a way of sometimes we encourage bad habits that our kids have just because we had the same habits. We gotta break those generational curses. Even if they're small ones. Like, it's kind of funny. I can't lie, it's kind of funny when like a three or four-year-old will hear a curse word, they're like, they don't know what it means, and they say it. It's kind of funny the first time, but by the time they're like five, six, seven, eight, hey, they, that should never be coming out of their mouths. We gotta slow this stuff down. We gotta take care of our kids. We gotta be mindful of the fact that they're being molded and shaped by this world in a way that previous generations have never experienced family. Do you know what cell phones do? How addictive they are, family. We are going to war for our families here. And our weapons, the way that we're doing this, is by just being love. So I'm going to read that passage one more time as the worship team begins to play. Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you not jealous or boastful or proud or rude? Do you not demand your own way? Are you not irritable? Do you keep no record of being wrong? Do you rejoice about injustice? Or do you rejoice when truth wins out? Do you ever give up? Do you ever lose faith? Do you, are, you, are you always hopeful? Do you endure through every circumstance? I wanna invite you to rise. Let's pray and just examine our hearts in the presence of the Lord this morning. Spirit of God, I thank you for who you are, Lord, and what you're doing here in this place. I thank you because you truly 
redeem families, Lord. You truly restructure, reshape families. God, when the enemy tries to attack, there you are to defend. And so I pray in this moment that we examine our hearts, God, and that you point us to actual solutions and steps we can take today to continue building a family with a purpose. It's in your name we pray. Amen. because it's your goodness that builds our families, that builds our lives, God. And we're standing on you as our rock, Jesus. And so I just want to pray a blessing over every single person in here, God, and a blessing over every family, Lord. I pray that you bless them and keep them, that your face shine upon them, God, that you be gracious to them, Lord. Be with us, Lord, as we go out into the city of Albuquerque today. And I pray that your will be done in our lives, in our families' lives, and so on and so forth. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Family, you may be dismissed. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your Sunday.